I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome. I'm Tony Kearney, TV director, producer, former actor and BBC Radio Scotland presenter. And this is my new podcast, Tony's Talk Shop. Working in TV and radio, I am in the very privileged position of getting to meet and interview so many super interesting people. I adore chatting to intriguing characters, finding out all about their lives, what drives them, what challenges they have faced and how they stay focused on achieving their goals. In this first season of Tony's Talk Shop, we're going to be chatting to people who work in the entertainment industry, both in front of and behind the cameras and audience. It can be a tough gig navigating one's way through this industry. I should know I've been doing it for over 30 years. The rewards, however, are tenfold. And if you have an outlet for your creative juices and can make a living from it at the same time, then you have really hit the jackpot. For our very first podcast in this series, I had a fantastic chat with a Latin dancing icon and choreographer who has entertained us with her backbending salsas and sizzling hot sambas since the moment she graced our television screens here in the UK with the light entertainment TV juggernaut that is Strictly Come Dancing. Miami, Florida native Jeanette Manrara first joined Strictly in 2013 and has gone on to become an integral, glamorous, supremely talented part of this ratings-winning show. Jeanette and I talked about her family background, her Cuban roots, how she combined crunching numbers as a bank teller whilst continuing her dance training in ballroom, ballet, jazz, hip-hop and, of course, salsa. Hard work paid off with success, and she talks about eventually joining the cast of Strictly and meeting the love of her life, fellow professional dancer, Aleash Skorianich. Jeanette really has a passion for her craft, but what's more, you couldn't meet a nicer, more down-to-earth person. This is Tony's Talk Shop with dancer and choreographer, Jeanette Manrara. Hello, Jeanette. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for doing this. 
No, my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk about anything and everything. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, I'll close this door. Thank you so much, Rowan. That's just our production assistant pressing record. And are you okay to keep picture on? It's an audio podcast, but it's nice to see you and of course keep yeah, eye yeah, contact. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I know you've got a busy day ahead, Jeanette. So will we will we jump in and just yeah, go on start recording? Okay. So, Jeanette, thanks again for agreeing to chat with me um, on Solace Sounds. We're massive fans of yours. We love your work ethic, your your passion for dance, your down-to-earth personality, and, of course, that you've got a Latina background as well. It's yes. wonderful. So, we know you here in the UK, of course, from BBC Strictly, uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I wanted to talk about your early days, uh, Jeanette, you know, mm. going back to Miami, Florida. T- tell me about your family. Is dancing in your blood? It really is, I have to say, Tony. I always say that I basically started dancing as soon as I was able to start walking because one of the first steps that I ever did was dancing on my dad's feet, you know, when he was like holding on to me with dancing at a family party. I think because, you know, my family's Cuban. Um, my entire family's Cuban, really. I was the first one that was born in the USA uh, and the whole family. They came over uh, in the early in 1980, I think it was when they arrived in Miami. And um, it was kind of crazy because my mom and my dad were both so young when they met. They met when they were 12 years old um, as kids running around the beach in Cuba. Wow, childhood sweethearts. I know. And their families kind of just, you know, went into very different ways to get into the USA. Obviously, because of communism in Cuba, they couldn't just get a visa to come to the USA. So my mom went through Costa Rica and my dad went through Madrid And then my dad went to New York and then they both met in Miami when they were like 16 years old. Um, So their love story is pretty epic. I have a lot to live up to with Ali Ash now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you will. What a fabulous background. The whole family danced and I think they were just so happy to, you know, kind of finally have their freedom and be in the USA. And, you know, then I was born and I was kind of the life of the party because I was the baby in the family that was the first American. So, yeah, I think dancing and, you know, that Cuban blood was never going to leave my body. <laughs> oh, that's a fabulous. Have you got many siblings? I've got a younger brother whose name is Alejandro. Sounds very cool, like the Lady mm-hmm. Gaga song. And my <laughs> sister, whose name is Leslie Marie. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So, fabulous Cuban background. I'm wondering then if that's influenced your own dance style. I mean, you're an incredible all-round dancer. But, you know, Jeanette, I have to say, when you dance salsa, the world stops. All eyes are on you. You know, it's I amazing. Do. I think the salsa is my favorite to dance on Strictly. And not, not only because it's such a fun music normally, but because there's no rules, really. You can kind of do lifts. You can dance side by side. There are the knees are bent. You can get the shoulders down. You know, I think when celebs get salsa, most of them, not all of them, but most of them get really excited because there's a bit of freedom in doing the salsa. And that's what kind of, Cuban salsa is really, it's so free. I mean, my great grandparents danced it, you know, so it's something that like the whole family just did. So for me to fall into that realm of dancing salsa and now doing it on the level of Strictly Come Dancing, that's like the proudest moment of my family is when they watch me do a salsa on Strictly, you know, like she's bringing Cuba to the UK. (laughs) Yeah. And talking about Cuban salsa, because I've read a little about Salsa Rueda de Casino. I uh, see, muy bien, muy bien. Sí, sí, sí. Y, uh, you know, I believe that's what they call it in Cuba, around in a circle, yeah, constantly co- constantly changing partners. So yes, it's called cuen- La Rueda. La Rueda, cuéntame todo. So is, is, ah. is, is Cuban salsa different from other versions of salsa? 
Well, they, Cubans, we dance casino salsa, and one of our favorite things to do is la rueda, which means the wheel. That's what it stands for. And if you see what it looks like, it's basically a wheel where the men are all on the outside and the women are on the inside, and they just go literally swapping around partners constantly in a circle. And there's different names for different steps. You kind of have to study it a little bit if you want to do like a proper rueda. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's what I grew up dancing. So I try and bring a bit of that to Strictly. But there's so there's different styles. There's like the New York. There's the dancing on one or on two. Lots of different styles of salsa. But my personal favorite, obviously, is the Cuban casino. Yeah, fabulous. And would you like, you know, we're talking about a circle and the dance. Would you like to circle back one day and maybe go go to Cuba and kind of um, look at the roots of salsa, the, the bailes afro-americanos, yeah. son, casino. And so, just kind of... well, Tony, you did your research. I, I love, love all it. this stuff. I love it. I all. love it. Uh, do you know what? I, I feel like you you hit a really nice nerve there. I, I, I was born in the USA, but my first language that I spoke was Spanish. And I actually had to learn English in school because my entire family was Cuban. So my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, all, all my older cousins, I met six of my great grandparents. We have eight great grandparents and I met six of them. And all I ever hear is the story, you know, and my great grandmother, she smoked a Cuban cigar every single day of her life until the day she passed. So it's kind of like when you hear all these stories of where your great grandparents grew up and where they came from and their stories, and then your grandparents' stories, and then your own parents and your aunts and uncles' stories, and oh, the beaches where we met, or this is the bar we used to go to for this, or I used to go to the supermarket here. I feel really kind of almost sad that I've never had the opportunity to set foot on kind of the ground where my culture really is from. Um, and then ultimately the music, I mean, the Cuban music and Cuban artists are some of my favorite. We've got Gloria Estefan is like the biggest one, but there's Albita, there's Los Bambang. Uh, there's this album that I listen to almost religiously called the Buena Vista Social Club, which is an amazing CD that, they recorded there live in this Cuban jazz club with proper Cuban jazz. So when you hear all these like stories of your own family, the, the way that the music is so intertwined with the culture and how they grew up themselves, uh, you know, I feel like it's such a part of me. It's such a part of who I am as a person. And to never have been able to set foot there, it makes me really, really sad. So I keep saying that the day that I get to finally finally step on that ground and kind of see the country and see the culture there in person that I that I know is my culture my family's culture for the first time I mean it's gonna be very emotional so I, I can't wait for for that day to come because it's just I just think the Cuban culture is so beautiful every single person that comes back from Cuba that goes to visit that knows that I'm Cuban says Jeanette, the people, everyone is smiling. Everyone is just dancing. The life there is so exciting and, and the people are just so happy. And it's all about family and good Cuban food and good Cuban music. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm crossing my fingers that I can go back. And I feel like I've, Jeanette will become whole once that moment happens, because then I'll have experienced my actual background, my actual culture, everything that I grew up listening to and I, I can only imagine what Cuba's like and I watch it in documentaries and videos but to finally go there will be quite a special day. The circle will be complete. Yes, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Entonces, habla, hablaba el español en casa con tus padres. Sí, yo hablo español muy bien y tú también, Tony. No, es que... el español muy bien. No, no, he olvidado <laughs> mucho. Viví en Madrid hace 15 años y ¡Eh! mi novio y yo tenemos un piso en Málaga. 
Ah. Cortamos este parte del podcast. Muy pero bien, bueno. Hablamos español muy lindo, pero no, el español no, no. cubano. Que va. You, oh, sí, so, sí, sí, es diferente. Cuban Spanish, we say we always speak like we've got a potato in our mouth. Because the words are a little bit heavier than like, ¿Cómo estás, Tony? ¿Tú estás bien hoy? ¿La estás Ay, pasando bien ahí en, en la UK? I love it. It's beautiful. Do you get to speak much Spanish with the cast and, and, and strictly? Um, well, we've got Karen, who's from Venezuela. Uh, so we speak Spanish. And then Goka, who's from Spain. Claro so me, sí. Karen, and Goka, we've got this Latino connection between the three of us. When we have um, any downtime, me and Goka love, and Karen would love to go dance salsa. It just kind of brings us back to those like Latin, you know, roots where you just go to a family dance party and you just dance salsa all night, you know, oh, fabulous. aunts and uncles and friends and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I totally agree with you about the Cuban people. I have friends here in Glasgow who've gone back and forward to the film festival and stuff. And I've met Cubans come here and muy buena gente. Beautiful, yes. beautiful people, yes. beautiful people. So, Jeanette, back to, 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 to your dance career. You started performing musical theatre at the age of 12, but I believe you didn't start formal dance training until you were 19. So is that is that late in dance terms? Yeah, yeah, it is quite late. But um, I think, you know, as I said, because I've been dancing since I could walk, basically, I, I had no choice in my family, you know, the Cuban yeah. rhythms and culture. Uh, but I think uh, dancing was always a part of my life, no matter what. Um, but I normally dance salsa. Um, and then I was always quite outspoken and I was always putting on shows for my family. And at Christmas, I would like decorate the living room with all my younger cousins and we'd do a play for the family on Christmas. So I was always quite artistic and it existed in my family as well because my dad is a beautiful singer and my mom actually won gold medals in Cuba for synchronized swimming. Wow. Um, and she did gymnastics. So I think the arts was always kind of in the family. And then not to mention just the Cuban music and Cuban culture. But so when I was 12, they put me in this musical theater program that was connected to a TV show called Sábado Gigante, Giant Saturday. That's what it means. Okay. And it was kind of this four hour variety show where they had just a bit of everything. But it's one of the biggest, biggest, longest running TV shows, I think, in TV history out of many, all the shows in the world or something like that. Anyway, so the TV, the TV show had a segment where kids can come in and do a bit of musical theater performance where we'd sit down and talk with the coast about adult subjects, like just as a funny segment. And then we do a little like performance, singing, dancing and acting. So that's how musical theater came into my realm. It was actually through television. Okay. And uh, and then we'd obviously take those musicals and we'd put plays on and put them on in like the different conventions and stuff around the city of Miami. But then that program actually shut down and I was 18 at that point. I wasn't a kid anymore. <laughs> I, I still look like I was 12 though, so that was to my benefit. Um, and so when the program shut down, the gentleman that ran kind of the dance aspect, he was the choreographer of the, all of the dance sequences we would do in the musical theater program. Uh, he opened up his own dance school. His name is Manuel Castro, him and his wife, Lori Castro. And they opened up Dance Town, which is where I started really my formal dance training. Because he said to me, you've got something, you can really, really dance. And he said, you can sing and you can act, but you can really dance. And I thought he was mad. I was like, I am 18 years old. Like, this is insane. But he said, no, you, you've got you've to give it a go. Trust me on this one. So I did. My mom and dad were dreamers. I mean, like, it's because they're so artistic themselves. And, you know, for them leaving the communism of Cuba to come to the freedom of the USA, to them, it was all about chasing my dream. Just do what you were born to do and live it and love it and go for it. So 
they were my number one supporters in making that decision. Um, but at the same time, I had a job at a bank um, and I was studying uni. Uh, I was studying at uni financing. So Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. That's so kind of it rare, really isn't it? was bizarre. So random. My parents were very like, yeah, follow your dreams. I was a little bit more panicky. I was like, I need to have a backup plan if dancing doesn't go well for me. And I always loved numbers. I was really book smart in school. I got a full scholarship to university. Uh, so I didn't have to pay for uni at all. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I had, had a bit of a, of a brain as well, which is good. Um, so I went to uh, uni and studied finance. But at the same time, I needed to get a job because I was 18. My parents had my brother and my sister. We were also living with my grandparents. So the financial situation at home was always a bit tough. Um, so I had to kind of do my part to help once I turned 18. So I started working full time, nine to five, Monday to Friday at a bank and uh, studying at the uni about three times a week. And then every single other day, including Sundays, I was in the dance studio, like just okay. taking as many classes as I could, ballet, jazz, hip hop, ballroom, uh, flamenco. I, I mean, I was in there every single day uh, since I was 18. And then, yeah, I mean, that kind of snowballed into where I am now. <laughs> That's an incredible story. So the, the bank was kind of, you were there, but it was, you were thinking of the next dance step. You were there, it was yeah, a means to an end. I was literally end. thinking, I love that. I was thinking of the next dance step, exactly. And it was funny because I talk about this a lot whenever I do any kind of chats and podcasts. I feel like there was always a, a dream that I had. And because I had the support of my parents and the backing of my dance teacher as well, I didn't know what that dream was. I, you know, when I was 19 or 18, I didn't know of Strictly Come Dancing. Dancing with the Stars wasn't even really a thing at that time either. So I loved television. I had grown up in television as a kid working in television. Um, but I loved to dance and I loved to perform. I just didn't know to what aspect that was going to kind of take over my life. But... I always had this gut feeling that there was something out there. So even when I was at the desk at my kiosk, you know, at my little cubicle, punching in the numbers and stuff, or at the class, you know, at uni, I just had a feeling, this gut feeling that, nah, this isn't it. I'm not going to, this is not going to be the one. I'm going to keep going in the other direction. Yeah. And I was 23 years old when I did my first ever dance solo. I mean, you do your first dance solo sometimes when you're five, depending on how early you start. So for me to do my first dance solo when I was 23, a lot of the parents of the other kids were looking at me thinking, she's mad. She's, <laughs> what is she doing? Like, you're 23 years old. Stick to banking. You've got it. You're getting your degree in finance. But, you know, I got a lot of funny faces, a lot of like funny looks. I got told no a lot from many different kind of things um, just because I was older in yeah. entering this field. But I didn't give up. I never gave up on this kind of dream or gut feeling I was like something's got to give one way or another you know this this can't be for nothing so I feel it and my dance teacher believed in me and my family believed in me and through many many hardships financially because I had to pay for my own classes I had to pay for my sister's dance classes because again like my family were you know immigrants and they were trying to make a living in the USA and I had to pitch in to help. And my sister really wanted to dance at that time. She was very little. My parents couldn't afford to put her in the dance program. So I used to teach at the dance school and not be paid to pay for her classes. So it was all quite like wow. my life revolved around 
work. Yeah, yeah. But I love that. I love that you listened to your instinct because a lot of people could have taken the kind of comfort, secure route, I'll stay with the bank, that's a hobby, and I'll get my career, you know, marry well, whatever. But you listened to your instinct and you took a risk. I took a big risk when I auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance, which I auditioned twice. A few people don't know that. The first year I auditioned for season four and I got all the way to the final round and my my eyes were gleaming with joy thinking I've got this and then I didn't get it. Um, So I was really disheartened and sad. And at this point, I think I must have been 22, 23 by then. Um, And then when the show came back around, the producer, his name is Jeff Thacker, who I have to give so much credit to for all the success that I've had in my career. He called me and he said, look, I'm coming back to Miami to audition for the show. I know last year it didn't go your way, but please, we'd love for you to audition again. And I remember thinking, I mean, if the producer is calling me, why not? You know, what's the worst that can happen? They tell me no again. Maybe this time it'll be a yes, you know? So I went back and auditioned and the second time around, I I actually did get the show. And it went, I mean, it was my first time flying to Los Angeles. I never, the only other part I had been at that point in my life was New York for like two days with my aunt and uncle. But before that, I had never left Miami. I'd never even really been on an airplane. So to travel the distance to LA and then move to LA and then do this huge dance show in LA. I mean, I was already in that case. I thought that was it. This is my dream come true. Little did I know everything else that was going to come thereafter. But at that point, I was just living my best life, as they say. Like, mom, dad, I did it. I'm in LA dancing on a TV show. Um, And the show went fantastically well. I did really, really good. And then they invited me to join the tour. And we did a three-month tour of the USA with the show. Uh, So that was, again, like just bizarre to think that, you know, I remember it'd be coming back to my hometown, Miami, on the tour. And we had the American Airlines Arena, which is our big arena where we do shows and all the big, big concerts take place there. And we were driving past it with my family when I was there to do the show. And my face just popped up huge on the arena and I just started crying my eyes out my mom started crying you know it was that moment of like oh my gosh Jeanette you did it like this little Cuban girl from this small town in Miami like her face is on this massive arena it was such a pinch myself moment you know that's um, incredible yeah and it was just kind of like the 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 beginning of this snowball because um at that point when the concert finished speaking of instincts and going with your gut when the tour finished, when the So You Think You Can Dance tour finished, I still had my job waiting for me at the bank. <laughs> and they said, we want you back. You're very good. And they were kept moving me up the ranks in like what I was doing. Um, and I had a, you know, insurance. I had a retirement plan. I had everything sorted. Um, but I don't know. My gut again said, take all the funds that you've made on tour. I saved all my money. And go to L.A. and just Go for it and just see what happens if you move to L.A. and audition. And, you know, that was the scariest decision to let go of that steady job, you know, the insurance, the retirement plan, everything to take all these savings that I made and just move to L.A. to just see what happens, wow. you know, but I had to do it right. You've of gotta, course, you've got to listen to your life with those no, ifs. You have to trust the instincts in this industry so much. I mean, you, you, you've talked about that beautifully. What a fabulous pa- picture you've painted for us and the indelible image of you coming home. I've seen your audition tapes of, of um, So You Think You Can Dance and you wowed the judges. I mean, wow, these Did tricks. Did you see my highlights? Yeah, I loved them. <laughs> 
you were rocking these highlights. They were like great. Thank you. I, I wanted to talk to you kind of a bit of a kindred spirit. I'm a former actor. I've worked in TV since I was 16. It's all, all I know, really. Um, but I never got used to the audition process. I, I kind of hated it. And I'm wondering, how are you with auditions? You know, when you and when you were dancing professionally, auditions kind of never stopped. Did you manage to channel the nerves into positive energy? How do you do that? I mean, I'm, I'm with you with that. I hated auditions. I am not really a competitive person at all. I think I'm very competitive with myself and I'm really hard on myself. But I, I take so much inspiration from watching other people that are better than me or bring a different kind of aspect into the arts in front of me. I watch and I, I kind of become a sponge more than, I, more than I try and do better than, if, I can make, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 it does. Um, it does. So when I moved to L.A., that was actually one of the toughest, toughest times of my life because L.A. can be a really hard city to live in, you know. And um, at that point, because I didn't have a job, I just... Like I said, I had all this fun saved and I just put down the deposit on a flat and I just moved over there. Wow. And then the process of auditioning began. Mm -hmm. And I, every single round, I would make it to the final round. But because I'm short and because I'm Latina, you know, the, it wasn't always necessarily what they were looking for, for the different auditions that I was going for. And that was really soul destroying, you know, because I had just come from this whirlwind of a, dream I had my eyes wide open as they would say and my dreams were big and you know and then you come to LA and all of a sudden boom the reality of the nose really start hitting and um and because I didn't want it I wasn't the girl that was like shoving shoulders and pushing the other girls out of my way to showcase myself it was really really hard for me to survive the audition process but in saying that my mom and my dad they always always telling me uh, that they were always telling me that you know one way or another, if you stick to it, something is going to come out of it. Even financially, you know, I would see my bank account going lower and lower and lower. And it got to the point where I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't even really buy foods because I need to save that to pay the rent. Um, and it was really tough, you know, and get and then getting the nose when you yeah. went to the auditions all the yeah. time. And my mother and my father just said, you know, the universe has really funny ways of just making things happen at the right time. And you just have to trust it. Don't give up and just keep working hard. Keep going to those dance classes. Keep yourself training. Keep going to the auditions. One day something is going to happen and it's going to be okay. You just have to trust the universe. They're fine. Oh my God, I love trust. your parents. I love your parents. They're it so was really fabulous. hard to trust, Tony. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but then eventually the, the job that came around that was... They wanted exactly me. They wanted someone that was short, that looked a bit Latina, that looked like she was almost a high school kid, which is mm. what I looked like basically then. And it was to work with on Glee, yeah. which was uh, this uh, TV show that I, I'm sure you've seen or heard of it. Yeah, it's a big, yeah, like, yeah, big kind time. Of. Yeah. And uh, and I worked on Glee from the whole first season, the whole second season. And they loved me for me, for exactly yes. what I had to bring to the table. And that was when I finally kind of regained my confidence and I believed in this this kind of thought process that the right job will come you just have to keep trying you know keep knocking on all those doors and eventually one of them is going to open and you're going to be able to walk through it and then you're going to the next chapter of your life yes, you know exactly we can say that in so many aspects in life for the BBC show I did, I interviewed a woman who'd climbed Everest. She's a young girl in her 20s. And she said, I got 300 rejections for sponsorship. 
and I just yeah. kept doing it. So I love what you're saying. That's really inspirational. So you did Glee. I know you danced, um, principal danced with Jennifer Lopez. Yes. And, yes. you know, the, the show um, Burn the Floor, you toured with that. So, I mean, fabulous. This is just like six. These are big shows. These are iconic names. At any point during this year, sort of saying, wow, I've made it. I'm here. Or is Jeanette still focused? No, there's more. There's more. There's, there's another more. There's another chapter. Well, Tony, there's always another chapter. It's a never-ending story, right? True, true, true. true. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I've never... I think one of the most exciting moments uh, in my life, career-wise, career-wise, um, was the day that I did the first show on So You Think You Could Dance. I'm never going to forget because it was such a moment for me. Um, but I think it was, I know it sounds silly because it's just a you know TV show, but it meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. It was doing the final with Harvey this last year on Strictly. Wonderful. Because um, there's a back, there's a little bit of a backstory with this one singular sensation. It was the American Smooth that we did where we were both wearing these gold sequin tuxes. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. We loved yeah. it. Yeah. Now, One Singular Sensation is a song that I first, first learned when I was about 12 or 13 years old in the musical theater program. And it was one of the first musicals that I kind of studied and watched and danced to and sang as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I did So You Think You Can Dance, I also did it on So You Think You Can Dance. Me and Mike was choreographed like a very quirky contemporary version of one singular sensation. And then a couple years later on Strictly Come Dancing on the night, the actual night of my birthday in the Blackpool Tower, because my birthday always falls on Blackpool Week during Strictly. Okay. Uh, we were at the Blackpool Tower and on the night of my birthday, we performed one singular sensation yet again with all the celebrities and Strictly dancers, uh, professional dancers. And then when this moment came that Harvey and I were in the final, I just felt this kind of epiphany of like, oh my gosh, my life, is on track you know this song keeps coming back to me at crucial points in my career when I was a child starting out a musical theater when I did so you think you can dance on this very special dance floor in Blackpool Tower on my birthday and then on the final yet again with Harvey in this last series and when I finally got into the final I mean this is my eighth year on Strictly the dream was always to get to that final so to finally get to the final and to perform that specific song which it means so much to me emotionally because of mm-hmm. all the different parts of my life and my career it was such an aha moment where I went yeah. oh my gosh I'm on track I don't know what the next chapter is you know I know there's something else coming who knows but I'm, I'm working towards something else and I'm gonna keep dancing and I'm gonna keep learning and I'm gonna keep expanding my my uh my book yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, so that was that a planet. Moment, the planets were aligning in that moment for you. I really. think so. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I really believe in positive energies. And mm-hmm. I think that things happen at the right time and for the right reasons. And uh, when we did that dance in the finale with Harvey, it was just so special to me because of all this that I was saying. And then also, I just was so proud of Harvey. Like, you of bring course. all of that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the you guys were an amazing couple. We were rooting for you. We loved it. You've talked about Strictly. Can I circle back and say, you know, 2013, you joined. How did it, for, for listeners here, how did it come about? How did the Strictly thing, did they come knocking oh. on your door or did you chase them? Or No, we... What can um, you tell it me? Was, that's a really great story too, actually. We were doing Burn the Floor, which is the show that uh, I first joined the cast when they were doing it for the first time in the West End. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2010, I believe. And then that tour... That show went on a world tour and on a USA tour. And then it wound up back in the West End the second time around. Um, And at that point, I was already dating Ali Ash. We had met 
on, on tour. We met, we always say we met in the world tour. Um, and so we had ah, been dating already. Okay. And um, and we were both, you know, here in the West End doing the show. And I had heard of Strictly Come Dancing, obviously knew of Dancing with the Stars in the USA. And um, I had been offered to do Dancing with the Stars in the USA, but I couldn't do it because I was still under contract for Burn the Floor. So right. in my head, I thought after this contract is done, I will go back to LA and I will do Dancing with the Stars. But I really wanted to stay with Aliash. You know, we wanted to make this work together because if not, it would mean that I would be going to LA and he would either stay in Slovenia or be in the UK and would have to do the long distance thing. Um, yeah. And so I remember the producers coming in and because I never really competed in ballroom and Latin, I can dance it, but I learned it all through the tutelage of Jason Gilkerson and Peter Roby. Jason Gilkerson is now the creative director of Strictly Come Dancing, mm. and he is a world-class champion of ballroom and Latin. Mm. Uh, so they kind of taught me all through the years that I was doing the show, and they gave me, I mean, if, if you ask any professional competitive dancer that how much it would be to have a one-hour session with Jason and Peter every single day, they will tell you that it's priceless to wow. get this kind of, like, lessons off of these giants of the dance world yeah um and so i i i'd never competed so i thought the producers are not going to really look at me because i don't have any titles and i've never competed on a proper dance floor when it comes to born in latin so i was really rooting for aliash and i was hoping crossing my fingers that at least aliash would get it so when we got the phone call that they were interested in both of us i mean i was shocked one and over the moon happy because i thought oh my gosh maybe if we both get it here, we can stay together. Oh, yeah. I don't have to go back to the USA. You know, our love story can continue and we can continue dancing. Um, and so they called both of us in for the interview. And I was very honest with them, you know, and, and you know, when they asked me, well, what can you bring to, to the show? And I just said, well, I can bring storytelling. So I did musical theater my whole life. And mm -hmm. I think dancing is not just something that you can actually really critique there's no right or wrong for me it's all about the story it's art form it's emotive it's an expression of some sort so i think that that's what i would like to bring to the table um plus hopefully some great dancing if, that, if, if you have me and um and i think they really liked that i came from this more musical theater yeah. background they took a chance with me they took a risk to see if it worked to bring something different to strictly uh so when they called both ali ash and i to join the show together i mean to do it, not just to get the job myself, but then to also get the job with the love of my life. I was like, are you kidding me? So we always say that, you know, Strictly for us is the stri Strictly blessing. You know how there was always like a Strictly curse. For us, Strictly has been the biggest blessing of our lives. Because oh, I mean, nine years later, we're married now. We have a home in London. And uh, we're, I'm here talking with you, Tony. And, you know, that's it's fabulous. Just, it's that just the so most fabulous. incredible story, really. Yeah, that's wonderful. And to be able to work with your with your husband, your partner, doing what you love, the creative juices, be paid to do it. That's fabulous. That's a great yeah, place to be. Exactly. And the nice thing about doing a show like Strictly is that you get to do all of it, really. You get to choreograph, you get to teach, you get to dance. You get to meet some amazing, because obviously you dance and work with your partner, your celebrity partner, but you also meet all of the other celebrities. Mm -hmm. So you, I've met some incredible people through the last couple of years on Strictly from all walks of life. That is so, I would have never met in any other job. Yeah, so there's so many wonderful, wonderful things about being a professional on Strictly that still to this day, I pinch myself and I count my blessings that I'm a part of the show. 
I mean, you've had some great characters from Julie in the beginning down to Harvey, yeah. you mentioned. Do you have any favourites or do you love them all? I mean, you bring the best out of them all. You're such a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, Tony, I don't, I can't have a favourite, you know. I just can't because I've, I've literally fallen in love with all of them in, for oh. different reasons and in different ways. Julia McDonald was my first ever partner on the show. And when I got married with Aliash, he made and designed my wedding dress as a gift to me oh, for my wedding. Wonderful. So, I mean, that just goes to show you the, the extent of how close I, I get with all my partners. Mm -hmm. I mean, Peter Andre and I still talk, Jake Wood, I still talk with Ashton, I still talk, with, I mean, all of them, Melvin, Harvey. Ronj, Ronj and I are rehearsing today. I'm gonna. That's where I'm running off to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chat. We're um we're rehearsing today because I'm doing a show with him in the West End to raise funds for Mad Trust, which is a really big char charity. So we're singing and dancing together. Oh, so I think I've been very, very lucky with my partners that we've we've maintained a really close friendship. And that's why my alarm keeps going up. Don't worry. That's wonderful. I mean, you mentioned Jake Wood there. We have to mention that salsa that you guys did. Your backbending salsa. Yes. Whoa. That was Yes. Incredible. I remember teaching that one to Jake. And he was a bit like, he's so cool, Jake. You know, he's one of the coolest guys I have ever met. Nothing really phased him. He wasn't nervous. You know, he said yes to anything I asked him to do. He was, you know, he just gave everything his 150%. And uh, he... <laughs> Yeah, I remember teaching him the steps, thinking, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this. And because he did it so good and so easily, I thought, oh, I'm going to teach it a little bit harder. I'm going to uh. make it a little bit harder. I'm going to make it a little bit harder. And, and by the end, it was one of the most epic kind of sequence of lifts and tricks. Oh, I think it was off the scale. It was off the scale. It's just yeah. these indelible images and him so cool and you leaning back. And oh, my goodness, it was incredible, incredible. Jeanette, you mentioned your wonderful husband, um, the Slovenian professional dancer, Strictly Costa, Aleash Skorjanic. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Skorjanic is the top one. Ah, Skorjanic. Okay. You have to be like, like, you have to go Skorjanic. Skorjanic. Pretty good, yeah. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, you, you knew each other beforehand. You got the job together. What's it like working with your husband then? You know day? what? It's, it's really, really nice. I know it sounds a bit like cheesy, but... In dancing like it's so emotive and it's about expression and it's about feelings you know we're kind of telling a story through movement and every time that I dance with Aliash it just feels it, it it kind of feels like it's just me and him in in this world for that instance you know even if there's many people watching us on stage or watching us on television for that instance it's almost going like into this strange meditative state where um I forget where I am. I forget mm -hmm. even almost who I am. I just see us and I just feel us. And it's a feeling that I, I really can't put into words how special that is to be able to do it with him. And not just when we dance together, but also the stresses and the pressure of doing Strictly Come Dancing, you know, making, guiding a celebrity, creating the routines, choreographing, uh, dealing with the judges' comments, you know, things like that. To, to have him by my side, and also be going through the same exact thing makes it so nice because we can really come home and talk about it and be each other's support and be each other's kind of like rock when times get really tough or get really exhausted or, you know, I push him and then he pushes me. And we're very different dancers, very different dancers. So okay. I feel like when we come together, especially when we choreograph together, it's a really nice fusion of movement uh, that we bring together to the table. So I mean, it's it's the biggest blessing, really, to be able to do it with him. 
And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's so interesting that you're seeing your very different dancers. Jeanette, we're, we're really nearly done. This is fantastic. I'd like to sort of get your thoughts and, and knowledge on or your kind of... Um, you know, what's your feeling on having longevity in this entertainment industry? What is the secret to, to, to success know, and lasting? This is a word that I, again, you, Tony, I feel like you're in my head. Um, <laughs> this is a word that matters so much to me. Um, I think because my career kicked off so late, you know, I started dancing so late. Um, and, you know, I did have, have had some amazing opportunities along the way to this day. But because I, I was a late bloomer in the dance in the dance world professionally, I want this to last for as long as possible. You know, I think a lot of people get to my age if they've been dancing since they were three or four or five. They get I'm going to be 38 now in November, and I'm very proud of that. You look amazing um, on it. <laughs> you look fantastic. So I um I feel like the the longevity aspect is so important to me because I want to be able to be dancing or telling stories you know as as long as I possibly can so I really I look after my body a lot I I do a lot of I've been doing a lot of internal work in this last year as well because we've not been dancing and dancing to me was always my escapism it was my my kind of if I was having a rough day it disappeared the moment that I walked into a rehearsal studio and I started dancing so you know I feel more than ever now especially now you know turning 38 soon I want my career to last as long as possible. So I think there's no secret here. The only thing that I kind of live my life by is to really be present and have the utmost gratitude for all the jobs and all the opportunities that come my way. I feel that gratitude is a word that's been thrown around a lot lately and it's talked a lot in well-being. I'm, I'm studying well-being at the moment. I'll have a certification on well-being by the end of hopefully next week, fingers crossed. Oh, fantastic. And, um, this conversation of having gratitude and being present and being mindful of all the different moments in your life, whether that's in your career or through family and friends and loved ones, I think is the secret to really keeping this passion alive and keeping this longevity and keeping this desire to continue doing this. Because if, you, if you're present and mindful of a moment or a feeling or I mean, every single year without fail, when I dance on that ballroom floor on Strictly on the black, on the, that we call it the golden ballroom floor, um, I take a second and I just like take it in, you know, and taking it all in keeps me motivated, keeps me excited about it, keeps me happy about it. Because it's like any job, you know, there's always going to be something that you're going to be like, oh, this or oh mm -hmm. my gosh, that or mm -hmm. that's frustrating. Or, oh my gosh, I wish that was different. Right. Or, you know, it, it's like normal, like any job. But when you take that little second to just appreciate how blessed and lucky we are to do the things that we do, no matter how big or small they are, the longevity becomes that much easier because you're going to want to keep doing it. That's a fabulous answer. I love all of that. I'm with you on the mindfulness. And I think that comes across in your your work ethic. I think that channels into your professionalism, which is so impressive. Do you think, Jeanette, that's something that you can learn? Or are you, are you born with that? Or <laughs> You know, is that kind of you've talked? You've taken us through the whole story arc of Cuba, the background, the immigrants, the American dream. Is that filling? Is that fueling everything then? And Do you, I, I mean, I think uh, I would say so. Yeah, I think my parents. You know, you said yourself. I wish I had. <laughs> no, they sound amazing. That my parents really kind of they raised me to be humbled and appreciative for the things we do have because they had so little. So because they had so little, and then you know. 
Now they're very blessed. They've got a gorgeous home in Miami with a pool. My mom can do synchronized swimming every day now and she still does it every day. Um, but, you know, I think they kind of raised me with this mentality to stay humbled, work hard, but live your best life, you know, dream big. And eventually, well, as they always said to me, eventually, if you are passionate about something and you work hard towards something and you appreciate all those little wins along the way, you know, the life is going to be good one way or another. Yeah, you said it. So, Jeanette, la última pregunta. La última pregunta. <laughs> la última pregunta. The last person. What's, what's on the distant horizon for successful dancer and choreographer Jeanette Manrara? Where do you see yourself Ooh, in 10 years' I time? I have big dreams. I have big dreams, Tony. I don't stop. You know, there's always a next chapter. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I still have a couple boxes I'd like to take. I'd love to do a West End musical. I haven't done that yet. I've performed in the West End. Aliash and I have been very lucky to have performed in the Palladium for the last four or five years with our tour, remembering the Oscars, which is coming up again next year. Um, and that that was that was dick. I mean, to dance in the Palladium, even now, even now when we did it, this last tour that we did in 2019, I still can't believe it was that long ago. Anyway, um, when we did it in 2019 and we were standing in the Palladium, you know, we still cry at the end of the show because it's such a special venue. But I would love to do a West End show and just do a proper musical theater. I just feel like it'll tie it all back into what I was doing when I was a kid. Um, so that's definitely one big dream that I'd love to achieve. Um, and then I really enjoy conversation and people. And I think my story, you know, my background and the, the kind of hardships that I went through and also all the successes that I went through, I want to share that with people as much as I can and help people better themselves, help people find themselves, help people be happy and discover, you know, learn about themselves. So I think it's so important. So I've really fallen in love with this concept of well-being. And um, if I can bring that to the table on a presenting capacity, mm -hmm. I'd love to do daytime television um, so I can talk about all these things that I've been learning through well-being and just bring smiles to people's faces and share great stories and inspire others. You know, I think conversation is so important talking and communicating with one another and listening to each other's stories and sharing each other's stories can just help us grow as individuals so much so uh, that's one another one that i hopefully fingers crossed will continue ticking along the way in one way or another yeah 100 i love it well jeanette we love your energy you've got a wonderful energy a wonderful light thank you so much for shining that light on this podcast Aww. today i love chatting with you Thank you so much, Sol. Muchas gracias por tenerme en tu programa. Muchas gracias a usted, cariño mío. Hasta la próxima. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.